Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is taken from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning session of Saturday the 21st of February 2009, entitled Chasing Daylight Part 1, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. I heard a story one time about a guy who was uh, preaching and didn't know it, but there were two brothers that liked to play practical jokes on each other. And uh, one of the brothers had a sleeping disorder, and he'd fall asleep at the drop of a hat. And he'd drop the hat. <laughs> and uh, he was in the service, and the preacher began to preach, and all of a sudden the brother fell asleep in the service. Well, his other brother wanted to play a practical joke on him. About halfway through the pastor's message, he elbowed him and said, the preacher called on you to pray. And he stood up in the middle of the service out of a dead sleep and went, Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Preacher's still preaching in the pulpit. Uh, don't do that, because I know some of you are going to try to fall asleep on me this morning. But uh, take your Bible open to Matthew chapter number 11 and look at verse 28. This is very, probably one of the most concise statements that our Lord ever made. Matthew chapter number 11, verse 28, about himself and about his ministry here on the earth. Basically, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And this is what I want to park on this morning. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wonder if I could ask you all a question this morning. I know you all some intelligent young people. What if I was a banker and I said, I'm going to take today and deposit into your account 86,500 pounds. One stipulation. There can nothing be balanced in what that's left in your balance be forward until tomorrow. You've got to spend every dime today. You can't have a penny left over. You have to spend 86,500 pounds. Now, if you do that, I deposit 86,500 more pounds tomorrow into your account. But stipulation, you can't have anything forwarded to the next day. You've got to spend every dime. You say, wow, I believe I could do that. <laughs> I believe I could too. I believe I could help a lot of people with 86,500 pounds, don't you? But can I submit to you that the banker of heaven, God Almighty, deposits every day into your account 86,500 seconds. Do you know how many seconds are in a day? 86,500 seconds, Pastor, in one day, and God says, I'm going to give you one stipulation. You can't forward anything from today over till tomorrow. Now, young people, you know what our Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 or 16? You ought to write this verse down. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, I don't know if you've studied original language, but we've got a couple Greeks here. Thank God for them. But the original language in the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. It was written in common language. And the word evil there is, we get our, it's, it's the Greek word pornea. We get our English word pornographic from it. That means that's literally what today's society's like. And if you don't believe it, you drive down the road from here to wherever you go home tomorrow or tonight, and you look at the billboards. You ought to see what's going on in my country in America. I mean, it's just unbelievable, George. We need to redeem the time. So in other words, the banker of heaven says you need to seize every single moment that you have. Young people, I can't tell you how important that is because as much as I'd love to say I might be here tomorrow, I could go to bed tonight, Evie, and I might even have a heart attack and I might not be here tomorrow. 
I don't know that. See, too many young people, I see too many Christians take full advantage of the time that God's given them, but there comes a point in their life where they begin to not take advantage of it, they take it for granted. Young people, you need to seize every moment that you've got. Now, I've entitled the next three lectures, if you will, because I'm not going to be preaching in these. I just want to give you some practical thoughts that God's put in my heart. I've entitled the next three lectures, Chasing Daylight. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, you know what? Some of y'all are wasting daylight when you need to be chasing it. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you chasing daylight or wasting it? You know, the Bible says, I, I gave you a verse last night. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I also gave you one that Jesus said. He said, work while it's day because the night cometh when no man can work. Young people, are you seizing the moment that God's placed in your life? There's somebody, you know what, that He's placed in your life to you, for you to be used in their life for good. Seize every single moment that you have. I want you to look at verse number 30 again. It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you say, what does that mean? Well, rabbis in that day, you know, were, were interpreters of the Scripture, the Torah. And they would also talk about yoke and binding and loosing and talk about the keys of the kingdom and things like that, which we're going to look at a little bit in the, in the next couple of lectures. But I want to give you a thought this morning. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. Now, this came from the, the lips of God of the, crea of the creation, that we, everything we see. I want to ask you a question this morning. What if you heard a story about a painter who painted a lovely portrait? Once he got done painting that portrait, he broadcast, of course, by Facebook or Internet today, he would broadcast that there would be no need for any other painter to paint any type of picture or portrait because it was done. He had painted the perfect portrait and it was no need for any more painters to pick their brushes up and paint anything because it was done. The perfect painting had been made. You would think he had rental property upstairs unfurnished, wouldn't you? You'd think he would lost his mind. Because you know what? Artists are always looking for some picture to paint that would be better or open our minds or broaden our thinking. Okay? Well, let me ask you a question. Do y'all have your questions with you? You don't have your questions with you. Oh, y'all give them out afterwards. Okay. What do you think about this? We would think somebody like that would be a little bit insane. But can I submit to you that years ago, 500 years ago, a man by the name of uh, Martin Luther came on the scene and you know what? They thought he was an eccentric, and they said, this man's crazy. To tell me that I ain't able to purchase the grace of God with money? Do you know in that day, that's what many people thought. You could purchase a position in the church of the grace of God with money. I don't know if you've ever heard of a practice called simony in the Middle Ages. Simony was a practice that got its name derived from a person in the Bible, Acts chapter number 8. It was a guy by the name of Simon who came and watched Peter and John uh, heal people. And he said, I want that gift you got. And he said, let me give you money that I can have that gift. And you know what Peter said? He said, your money perishes with you. You can't buy the gift of God with money. But in that day, that's what they think they could have done. Now, young people, you know what? If we had a painter to come up to us and say, nobody else paint anything, it's done. Perfect picture. Look at there. Nobody else needs to paint anything. We would think he was crazy. But you know what? They thought the same thing about Martin Luther. But guess what? You're sitting here today because a man thought outside the box 
in the sphere of what everybody else thought that, that, that God was supposed to be. See, I'm trying to make you broaden your thinking. What does God mean to you? Who is God to you? Have you limited God down to something in size and, and, and it's got parameters and you've kind of just put him in your little bitty box and he fits in there? You know what? I'm here to tell you that God is bigger than any box you try to put him in. See, you know what? Martin Luther said, you know what? We can have our own Bible. You, every believer can have their own Bible. They went, you're crazy. They thought he was insane. But because of him and people like him who expanded their thinking and thought and broadened their horizons, we sit here today free to read our own Bible and not have somebody stand over us ex-cathedra and speak for God. You've got a Bible. You can open it up and rightly divide the word of truth. You say, preacher, what's your point? Some of you young people in here, if you're not careful, you might get to the point to where I was about 10 years ago. I was scared to death of failing God, and I was scared to death of serving God. You want to know why? Because I built my system of thinking, Pastor, around this premise. My faith, I thought, was like a brick wall. And as I was building my faith, and as my faith was built upon the doctrines, we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Y'all with me? I know some of y'all tired. I'm going to be real quick, okay? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for what? What's the first thing that's profitable for? What is it? Say it. Doctrine. Say it. Doctrine. That your doctrine's what you believe. Now don't base your, listen, don't base anything you believe about God on anything outside this book. Because this right here is His Word. And this is not something to meddle with. Hey, listen, times change, don't they? You know we're all time travelers? Y'all ever read the book Time Machine by H.G. You know, we're all time travelers. You know what I think's amazing about that book? At the end of that book, he says, you know what? You can't go back and change the past, but you can change the present. You can't do nothing about the past, young people, but you can do something about the now. Seize the moment. Chase the daylight in your life. But I want you to think about this for a minute. I used to think that my faith was built upon brick after brick after brick, and those bricks were doctrine. And, and, but I want you to think about this with me now. My faith should not have been like a brick wall because guess what? Bricks are brittle. They're not flexible. See what Martin Luther did. People like him made us think. See, young people, this is what happens in Christian schools in America, and I'm just giving you something that I know about. I've been a youth pastor in four churches. Three of them had Christian schools. By and large, every Christian school that I ever dealt with, I I would have kids come into the office, sit across a desk from me, and look at me, and I'd say, what do you really believe? Well, preacher Brian, I believe what you teach us. That ain't going to cut it. When you get into a debate, by the way, not an argument with a Muslim or some other person in another faith, and you begin to try to rightly divide and show them that the Lord loves them. You know what? 
It ain't going to be good enough if they, because I'm telling you right now, they know what they believe. I want to ask you something. Do you know what you believe? And why do you believe what you believe? Do you believe it because your youth pastor, Brother George, tells you that? Do you believe it because your pastor Leonard tells you that? Do you believe it because your pastor gets up on Sunday morning and he preaches the Word of God and you get that and you go, that's what I believe. If that's all you believe and that's why you believe it, you're nothing more than a robot. That's all you are. And you know what? If you're not careful, your faith will be built like a brick wall which is rigid, brittle. You take one brick out of the middle and guess what? It makes the rest of the wall weak. Now about about 14 years ago, seems like an eternity, I can remember when my nephew got a trampoline for Christmas. Any of you ever been on a trampoline? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. Any of y'all over here ever seen a trampoline? All right. Oh, good. And then nobody raise their hand me. Trampoline. Jump up and down. Okay. We went and we had this trampoline, and we got on this trampoline. I'd never been on one. I'd watched a lot of people jump on them. I'd never been on one. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I got on that trampoline with my nephew, we began to jump up and down. You know what I wasn't doing? I wasn't on that trampoline, and every time I jumped, I looked like I was as mad as I've ever been at anything in the world. No. I wasn't. Man, I was enjoying this thing. It was fun. Because you know what I found out? If you start to time that thing right, and you, ju- you got more than two people on there, and you time that thing right, that thing will catapult you twice as high. And I remember my wife coming out there, and she's not here, and bless her heart, she come out there, and she's always concerned about everybody's safety. I mean, her, 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 her handbag is a medicinal, I mean, it's a hospital. She's got every medicinal product you can think of. She's got every bomb, salve peel you could think of. She's always protecting everybody knows my wife's known as Dr. Quinn. She's always got a remedy for something. But my wife would come out there, you better be careful. That's my nephew. I said, well, what about me? I'm your husband, you know. I mean, but man, we were having a time of our life. I've never, have you ever seen anybody on a trampoline doing this? I've, when, I, when I watch people jump on a trampoline, man, they're going, whoa! I mean, they're having a good time. Do you know what I finally realized, young people? That life should not be like a brick wall. It ought to be like a trampoline. Now, let me ask you something. That large rubber surface that you jump on, what is it attached to the, to the, sub, to the, the, the structure that holds that up? What attaches it to the structure? Springs. Guess what those springs do? They flex. You know what, young people? Those springs, though they're not God, they're not Jesus Christ, those springs are like our belief systems. They're like our, our, our doctors, if you will. And you know what? It's not wrong to start beginning to try to search out what you believe. When you get in a debate with a Muslim or with a Hindu, and they know what they believe, and they ask you, well, you we've sat here and talked for 15 minutes, but what do you believe? And you say, well, I believe the Bible. Okay, why do you believe the Bible? It's the Word of God. You're just talking like a robot. Are you going to tell them who Jesus was? Do you know who He is? I'm not just talking about historical Jesus. I'm talking about the God of heaven. Do you know Him? Because young people, I found out that you've got to start living life like a trampoline, not a brick wall. 
See, some of you in here, if you're not careful, you're going to get, because I found that the Christian life's a four-phase process. George, when you first get saved, you remember when, you, if you're in here and you remember when you first got saved, man, you went, this is wonderful. But about a week later, you went, this is hard. Didn't you? About a year after that, you went, this is impossible. But I'll tell you what, the closer you get, George, to heaven, Listen, young people, I got saved in 1987. Been saved 22 years. Been preaching 16. You know what? It has been difficult. And sometimes it does feel hard. And a lot of times it does feel impossible. That's why he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you get to the end of your life, you know what you're going to say? This is glorious. Young person, start living your life like a trampoline and not a brick wall. Look back at our text. Jesus says, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Take, take my yoke upon you. And what's the next word? Learn of me. Now, some of y'all need to expand your thinking. It's not wrong to think. I have watched Christian school after Christian school in America produce teenagers that leave a Christian school, about two months after they leave the Christian, Christian school environment, they do not grace the presence of a church again. Why? Because they've been put in a sterile environment and taught this is the only way. Do you know what God reveals truth through other sources? I've been reading a book that Tyler gave me three years ago. Where's Tyler at? Three years ago he gave me a book called Darwin's Black Box. Do you know this book makes no pretense? The writers of the book and the scientists in the book make no pretense about being Christians. There's nothing about it's Christian, but here I'm going to tell you that it's all written by biochemists and they shoot complete holes into the theory of evolution. You know what? God gave them truth. They don't even, they're not even saved. Let me tell you something. Paul quoted Creek. He, 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 he quoted Stoics and Epicureans. They weren't right, but you know what? God... They had a little bit of truth, and he used their own truth against them in the Scripture. He said, he even quoted it in Acts uh, chapter 16. He quoted it back in the book of Titus. And I'm here to tell you, folks, doctors that are out there that perform medical procedures on people have been given truth. They may not know the God of heaven, but listen, God has revealed truth through them. That doesn't. We're not the only ones that's got it. Listen, God is in all truth. See, some of y'all looking at me like, this guy's out there, man. He's been smoking some. Nope. I'm just here to tell you that about two and a half years ago, I was sitting in Larry's house. My family couldn't come to me. My, my daughter was with me. But God began, Evie, to revolutionize my thinking about who I serve. You ever been at the point where you go, you know what, Lord? I'm trying to do everything I can for you. I'd just like for you to show yourself to me. And you know what? I was sitting up in the, in, a, in the bedroom upstairs, and I'll never forget this. God said, you know what, Brian? You're doing all this stuff for me. He said, but when are you going to spend time with me? Young people, you want to know where the quickest place that you can backslide is? Bible college. You're looking at one. 
Guys, I was in Bible college. George, I was in Bible college studying the Word of God every single day, going to six classes a day to learn about God's Word. And the whole time I was there, it was nothing more than a routine and just an obligation, and i got to get my degree. And the whole time I'm there, I thought that my classes would take care of my daily devotion. I didn't have to spend quality time with God. And you know what God said? Brian, you're doing all this for me, but when are you going to spend time with me? See, some of y'all got your little systems and you got your little boxes and you got God in it. And guess what? God just oozes out the sides. You can't contain God. You can't put God in a box. I'll tell you what happens. If you do, He might just stay in that box. But you know what? He might just do this. He might just tear up every single little system you've got in your mind to make you think outside the box. See, some of y'all in here, you live in life like it's a brick wall instead of a trampoline. You want to know why? Because I've seen a lot of people set in church services, and I know Pastor Larry has too, who their soul may be saved, but they need to remind their face that it is. Any of y'all ever heard of Nietzsche? Ever heard of Nietzsche? He's a God hater. He started a rumor that God was dead. You know, if God was dead, I... I'd like to ask some questions. Number one, if God was dead, I want to know who's going to perform His funeral. If God is dead, I want to know who's going to sign His death certificate because He has the keys of hell and of death. And if He's dead, I want to know why I didn't get a call because I'm next of kin. I'm, I mean, I'm a child of the king. Why didn't anybody inform me that my heavenly father's dead? He's not dead. He ain't even sick. He's on the throne. Amen? Start living life like it's a trampoline instead of a brick wall. You say, well, how do I do that? Let God out of the box. Well, I'll tell you something. I hear this all the time. I'll tell you that guy can't be used of God. He's got long hair. I told the people the other night that a friend of mine was called into ministry, George, he got a letter from a church, and some of y'all, I repeat myself, so just look like you're enjoying it because I know you've probably heard everything I've said before anyway. It don't matter. This kid got a letter. He had surrendered to ministry, and he got a letter from a pastor where he was trying to raise support to come on the mission field. And he had sent a portfolio and a little bi bibliography of himself, autobiography of himself, and uh, bibliography, sent it to the church, the guy got a letter back, and the pastor of the church said, Dear Brother So-and-so, he said, I regret to tell you that you can't come preach to our church because we don't allow people in the pulpit with facial hair. Facial hair? I read that letter, and I got so mad, I had to repent. I mean, I wanted to go over and... I wanted to find out who that pastor was and tell him, Do you know what you just did to a young man that's trying to serve Jesus Christ? So I said, we ain't letting this thing go. I'm going to respond to this letter for you, the young man. I got the letter, and I took a big black Sharpie magic marker, and I wrote on the front of it, Do you have eyebrows? Hello? Unless you shaved your eyebrows off, sir, you got facial hair. I am so sick and tired of fighting and arguing over things that don't matter. 
If I'm not mistaken, didn't they pluck the beard out of Jesus? You know, some I know some people that if Jesus walked in here right now, they'd say, well, look at him. Look how he's dressed. We base so much on the external, don't we? When God says it's about this. Young people, you want to know why you're living life like a brick wall, not a trampoline? Because it ain't got nothing to do with this. It's got to do with this. See, I went to school and I learned about my little systematic theology 101. I had my soteriology class, Fraser, all mapped out. We took Daniel and Revelation. We went through the minor prophets, major prophets. We went through everything. Learned about the Pharisees and Sadducees. Learned about all of them. Learned about the three Hebrew children, my shack, your shack, and the bungalow. I mean, my Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, we learned about everything. But the whole time I was at Bible college, I was miserable. Until one day, the God of heaven said, Brian, I didn't just save you to preach for me. I didn't save you, Brian, so you could serve me. Though that's a, that's a good thing. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. You've been called, young people, pastor, you've been called to do something for Jesus Christ. But here's my point today. God just didn't save you to serve Him. The ultimate end is this, that He saved you to enjoy Him. I'll tell you this, Dino. I can always tell somebody who's saving, who's been saved to serve, and somebody that's been saved to enjoy because their face. Sometimes the activity that goes on in people's lives. Have you ever thought about this? Mary and Martha both had, uh, both had noble, noble you know, endeavors when Jesus came to eat with them. But Martha was in there cooking the meal. She was mad as she could be at her sister for sitting at Jesus' feet to fellowship with Him. Now, who was right? Well, Martha wasn't wrong for wanting to serve Jesus a meal and be noble in that. But her problem was she was cumbered about with much serving. That means she was inundated. Running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Some of y'all trying to picture that right now in your mind. <laughs> God didn't save you just to serve Him. God saved you to enjoy Him. You say, why is that important? Because folks... A trampoline was not invented. Listen to me. A trampoline was not invented to be scrutinized. It wasn't created. Whoever created the trampoline did not have this in mind. I'm going to create something that will cause people to sit around and debate and try to figure out the, the, the physics of all the springs and how it goes up and down. I ain't never seen a five-year-old kid get on a trampoline and go, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to enjoy this today or not. Young people, I ain't smart. Everything I give to you, I get up. I say, God, I'm nothing. You got to give me something to give these young people. I'm not smart. I wish I was. But I'm here to tell you, 
you don't have to be an intelligent person to have intimate time with God. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you living life like a brick wall or a trampoline? You say, well, I'm living life like a trampoline, preacher. Well, you know what? Advise your face of that fact. It's amazing what a smile will do. It's amazing what you know. You go. I was telling a story this week about being at the hospital, and you know, you get on an elevator. You ever got on an elevator and people just stand there and they won't say a word, like they've went deaf and mute. Once they get in the door, something happens, and we just stand there like nothing. You know, like we're afraid to talk to somebody. Why? You want to know why? Because people don't like to be confronted. Got in an elevator, second floor, doors open. About 10 people get in. We already had about 10 people in there, so we're up to about 20 people now. Go to the fifth floor, doors open, seven more people. I went, wow. Walked out, let the seven people in. I got in last. The doors closed. George, I looked at all of them, and I said, well, now that I've got you all here, I I guess you wonder why I called this meeting. And uh, started talking to people, just started bursting out in laughter. You know what? A smile or a comment can just change the whole atmosphere of a place. You know what? That's living life like you're living on a trampoline, not a brick wall. Let me ask you something, guys. Do this today. When we get ready to go to the open-air meeting, when we get ready to get in the bus or you get in your car, go out here and take a running leap and jump on that wall and see how enjoyable it is. (laughs) Boy, that was fun. No, it ain't fun. But you get on a trampoline, you start jumping up and down, the higher you go, the better it feels, don't it? I mean, you just, and you go, I think I can get a little higher. Don't, don't try that. Okay, don't, don't do that. I tried that once. And I'm sitting up in a tree going, somebody get a ladder. <laughs> Never put a trampoline under a tree is what I'm saying. That's the moral of the story. People on a trampoline don't scrutinize, they just jump. You know what Jesus says? Just jump. Just jump. It's all right for those springs to be expanded, isn't it? When those springs are expanded, guess what? You come back down on it, springs go a little bit farther. You know what God says? The God of heaven says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You know the word rest can be translated in the Bible? Not only a laying prostrate and get... You know, you can go to a, a pharmacist like Boots or one of those places. Did I do good? Is Boots one? Okay. You can go to a place like that and you can buy sleeping pills over the counter. You can buy sleeping pills as a prescription. And the doctor can give you a prescription for sleeping pills. But you know what? I've never gone to a pharmacist and asked, uh, can you fill my prescription for resting pills? Because they don't sell resting pills. The only way you're going to get rest is to get it from the thrice holy God of Israel. Young people, if you're in here today, and you're living life like a brick wall instead of a trampoline, my Savior tells you today, just get on it and jump. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus who died upon the cruel tree to think of His great sacrifice at Calvary 
I know my Lord expects the best from me. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I helped to free? I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when He has done so much for me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Tonight, today, Father, we come before Your presence with thanksgiving. We enter into Your gates the same way. And we ask You, Lord, to bless our time of discussion. Lord, help us not to try to fit You into something where You don't fit. Help us to realize how great a God we serve and that that God that created everything, and that includes us, every hair on our, hair, on our head is numbered. He knows every single thing about us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and the same God that created us is the same God that says, don't just serve me, enjoy me. Father, I pray that you'd help us to have the joy of the Lord in our heart because that in and of itself is our strength. Lord, I'll love you and praise you for what you do in our midst today. I pray that you would just bless in the next uh, hour to come and in our time at the, at the city center. And God, help us to be like George so eloquently prayed. Help us to be salt and light, Lord, to a lost and dying world. We'll love you and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.